Hello and welcome back to the Give Alice podcast. I am Renz, the marketing coordinator at Give Alice, and I'm joined by co-founder Diana Hernandez. Diana, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Keith. Long time no see, huh? Yeah, it's been a really long time. Uh, we're doing a virtual Zoom podcast session today. I wish we could be doing it in person. I haven't seen you in a bit, but because of the pandemic, this is the closest we can get. But at least you do have some video recording, so this actually is going to be kind of cool for the first time. Yes, I think that people will like to see our faces, so I'm very happy to be here with you. Awesome. Sounds great. So today, I want to talk about how Give Alice has adjusted or had to adjust to the COVID-19 pandemic. Like many businesses around the world, I bet COVID-19 required a fairly significant change to the Give Alice content. So I'm just curious, uh, what are some of the ways that Give Alice has had to change its approach to bilingual education because of COVID-19? Sorry, one sec. All right, bye. Sorry, you want to try my, you want to record that, it yeah yeah sorry no that, that was my dad i just telling him he's he's out he's going right now okay, uh, okay let me just i'm just gonna repeat that last point yeah so today i want to talk about how give alice has adjusted or had to adjust to the covid19 pandemic like many businesses around the world i bet covid required a fairly significant change to the give alice content so I'm curious, Diana, um, what are some of the ways that Give Alice has had to change its approach to bilingual education because of COVID-19? Oh, yeah, you know, that's a great question. Um, the last time we spoke, I don't know if I shared it with you, but we actually had three contracts that we wanted to really work with teachers uh, in person. So our model, our work, we do it through demonstration. So we go into the classroom and we demonstrate for, for kids with teachers. So we've had to really shift in the way of thinking on how we're able to actually share our work, our strategies to be able to support teachers via distance learning. So that's currently where we're at. We're in the phase of thinking or rethinking how we shift our instruction to support our teachers. So one of the ways that Alice is shifting is really thinking about how to support teachers via distance learning with resources, videos, and different types of concepts so that teachers could really uh, find our training useful. So that's one of the things, and I'll, we'll speak a little bit more of what those things look like um, as we go through the podcast, but that's really what we're shifting towards. How do we support teachers right now when they have to uh, teach distance learning with students? How do we best support um, and maybe get out of the way, get it out of their way so that they're not overwhelmed? So right now, our, our shift has really been how to support and not um, and not uh, impede, right? To get get out of their way. So that's that's really what we've been doing. But you know, how do we give them resources, a website, and um, so those are the kinds of things that we're thinking about. So you say there definitely there's been an attempt to make a lot more of the business online, correct? Yeah, so the organization is really looking at creating the strategies and the tools online. So looking at different platforms 
such as Canvas would be a one way to, we could start with online learning. We're really thinking about a shift with not just online learning. A lot of the time, uh, I don't know you as a learner, but when I had uh, classes in college, I didn't particularly lean towards online learning. I just felt that it was very impersonal. So that was one of the reasons we really tried to make one-on-one -on -one and in-person uh, demonstrations because we really like that relationship building. But with these platforms, what we want to do is we want to continue to have that collaboration so that it's that relationship, but in a way that teachers feel supported. So those are kind of the shifts that we're looking at uh, in terms of the organization, trying to think about how do we do synchronous time like this, like me and you are talking. Um, and then how do we do asynchronous so teachers could do it on their own or they could watch something on their own? How do we give them resources, videos, um, dashboards, discussion boards so that they feel that there's a collaboration? Because I think that's one of the hardest shifts right now with our teachers that they don't have that um, relationship with other teachers, right? That they don't have that collaboration with their colleagues to say, well, how did you do this lesson? How do you think this is going? So it has to be very intentional the way that we support um, our teachers right now in the classrooms. I see. So I, that's actually a really cool point that you made. So you're doing a combination of having that online courses, right? Where they can view it at their own time, uh, offline, independent of you, but you also want to make sure you're having those one-on-ones either through Zoom or through call, whatever way is possible uh, in the current pandemic, you still wanna make sure you have that personal connection with the people who you're teaching these uh, principles to, correct? Exactly, yeah, exactly. And so that's why we've taken a little bit of a time uh, to create these ideas so that we're able to create those spaces. Uh, as you probably can imagine right now, teachers don't are particularly not wanting to have professional development right now. They wanna to get to see what they're doing in the classroom. But I know that some teachers really do want support. Uh, how do I do this? Or how can I help my kids with Zoom? How do I work with them and what increments of time? So really technical work. And that's really kind of the work that we wanna make sure that we do. Particularly with dual language teachers, it's been a challenge because in a dual language classroom, we use strategies so that teachers, we make ourselves understandable in the target language. So if I'm a dual language teacher, I teach all in Spanish all day. And so I have to use my body gestures, my movements, anything to make my, my, my instruction understandable. So as a dual language teacher, if I have you, a student whose their second language is Spanish, I have to make myself comprehensible so that you understand what I'm saying. So that has really been a challenge for our dual language teachers when we're talking about in-class learning, um, that they have to make sure that they start stay in their target language, but make themselves understood so that students get um, their academic language development. So I think that is one of the challenges and those are the kinds of things that we're talking about in these spaces. How do we do that, do that, do that via distance learning? via Zoom or the platform that they're using and what tools can we give them to support not only the students, but the families. That's a great point. Um, especially, I didn't even think about that where the visual aspect of learning or the visual aspect of seeing a teacher is just as important as hearing them. Um, that's, that's a really great point. And I bet there are a lot of challenges when it comes to shifting from you can see a teacher physically there 
to now it may just be audio or even if it's like zoom sometimes it lags and you don't necessarily get that uh, interaction as seamless um so what, what are some of the other challenges you've noticed as you've kind of shifted to this more technological online approach I, th there's quite a bit and i think alas can really support teachers in those aspects one of the big aspects and this is before uh the pandemic but i had worked with um teachers uh coaching teachers with technology and one of the things that i had found was that they, um their proficiency level varies, right? So the teaching proficiency level with technology varies where some people use technology as an administrative tool to take attendance, to write emails, very administrative, to where other teachers are able to use technology tools to organize instruction, to use it as, as an instructional tool. So within that proficiencies, there's gaps. And so that's one of the things that I had already found with working with teachers with technology. But now it was really accelerated, right? Now everybody had to get on Zoom. Everybody had to get on some type of platform so that they could uh, really engage with their students. Uh, so those are the kinds of things that we want to make sure that we support teachers and how do they become, it's like a step ladder, right? How do they become proficient with uh, the technology as an instructional tool? So let me give you an idea. So there is a model called SAMR, right? S-A-M-R. And uh, some of the things that this uh, model talks about is how we don't use technology as to just substitute, but we want to get to the R, which is the redefinition of technology. What does that mean? Well, let me get, let me show you. So um, traditionally, you probably had spelling, spelling tests, right? Spelling words in your class. So you have a spelling, so you have a list of spelling words on Monday, the teacher tells you, here's your spelling word, and then on Friday, you're going to take a test. So the, the Samuel model talks about the substitution of that, at, that you're going to do some spelling words instead of giving me the spelling words and you're going to handwrite them, the substitution level would be typing them up. So that would be just a substitution. But we know with technology, we could redefine that so that teachers, that maybe the students are doing their spelling words uh, via a song and creating it on a garage band. So that is just kind of wow. what we want to do with the technology. So teachers, if you're at the substitution stage, that's okay. That's where you're at as a teacher. But we want to get you to that redefinition of technology so that the technology is being used to be able to do what we, uh, what it's meant to do, right? Um, from creating an iMovie. So maybe at the beginning of the week, you read a story and um, you get the plot, you get the conflict, and then you get the resolution. Well, that's part of uh, the story building, but you can work as a group to then create an iMovie at the end of the week where you have your own plot, your own resolution, and your own, um, you know, your own plot line within the setting because that's what we could do with technology and unfortunately that's not what we're seeing with technology we're seeing a lot of substitution which is it's nobody's fault it's just we need to make sure that we understand the concepts because if you understand the why or the intention behind why you're using what app or what technology it's really gonna be fruitful that's a great point. I remember in my schooling, there was definitely teachers that ranged from those that were more technologically accelerated, where they were using um, all the recent platforms. And then there were others who really just strayed away from it. But the, that is kind of an effect that COVID-19 has, is it's forced a lot of people to accelerate. 
Um, I know we've talked about the challenges of distance learning, not being able to see someone in person and all that. I'm curious though, what are some of the benefits you feel or some of the things that make you excited about using technology to help with uh, helping bilingual education? Because I know, you know, technology, that it's always progressing. And I bet there's a lot of cool things that you could do. Um, so I guess instead of going on the negative, some, what, are the, what are the positives that you feel that you've been able to incorporate into Give Alice? You know what, that's a great, uh, I think it, uh, some of the great things that I think this has done is accelerated that idea of having teachers make mistakes, having it be messy, but just knowing at the end that that within that messiness, we're going to learn new things. So um, when this all happened in March, I think a lot of people were scared. A lot of people were like, how do I do a breakout in the Zoom? How do I uh, get on, on this uh, seesaw or whatever platform? And they did. We They made mistakes. Um, and with those mistakes, I think, came the learning from, oh, I can do it. I, I um, Maybe I'm, I don't know this, but I could research this. And I, another thing that I've seen is I've seen a lot of... Um, tutorials on YouTube. And I think that has inspired many people to get on YouTube and do their own tutorials and start using the technologies to support others. Um, again, the collaboration piece too. I've seen a lot of more uh, collaboration with dual language teachers. And, you know, I think it's, I would say that not scared of the technology where before it was like, I don't have to do it. Um, I'm not forced to do it. And now it's like, no, now you have to do it. So I think that really then helps the kids because I think our kids are different learners. You know, they're when you say you were a kid, our kids are different. Our kids are born with an iPad in their hand. Like, and, um, and I think we need to move into that space because I think that's where we're going. I think this is really going to support with the coding. Um, I know a lot of schools have coding, so that's really going to help with programming. Um, even things like this for our kids to start creating their own podcasts and hearing their voices. I think that's a great idea that teachers could use the Spanish so that the, the kids could practice their language development and they could create some podcasts uh, in the classroom. I mean, can you imagine having many breakout sessions and then kids creating their own podcast and then presenting their ideas uh, to other people, you know, taking it outside of the walls of the classroom and, you know, contacting another classroom uh, around the world and doing a Zoom with them and saying, oh, we're, we're in the United States, we're learning Spanish, we're going to Zoom in with a, uh, Spain or with a classroom in Mexico. I mean, I really do see that our, I guess our benefits are endless, we just have to look for them. Wow, that's a great point. You know, um, being able to use technology to further the creativity of the students as well as their learning. Uh, yeah, I was very curious also. So we've kind of talked about putting online courses, podcasts, the distribution of your educational content. Um, how about the, the type of principles that you had beforehand? I'm sure a lot of them were based on in-class learning. So how has the shift now to virtual learning how has that affected the very principles of uh, Give Alice, the dual language education um, modules that you teach? Have you had to go in and totally rework um, a lot of what you thought worked before? Has it been a little bit of, okay, we could just kind of tweak things here or there, or maybe a little bit of both. So if you can go into just the core principles that you've had and how it's been affected by COVID-19 
and virtual learning? Uh, I think a lot of people would be curious to hear about that. That's a really good question. Um, you know, I think that's why their principles, um, if you think about the founding fathers in, in the, here in the United States, and you think about the constitution and the principles that we had, I mean, one of them is liberty, right? The pursuit of liberty. And the, that's why their principles, because they are fundament, fundamental. And so bilingual education has, their, has its principles. The three principles are the core pillars are biliteracy, right? That the kids will become biliterate or bilingual. The second one is really that whole idea that the academic achievement, they will achieve academically. And then the third core principle is the cross-cultural, that they'll learn about different cultures and be accepting of other cultures. So because those are the three core principles, um, I think that you have that foundation and that way you could just use the technology to enhance those principles. So we don't move away from the principles. So let me just go through them quickly again. So to become biliterate and bilingual, that's a core principle. Can you do that with technology? Of course. Can you accelerate it? Maybe. Just depends on how you use that technology, right? So um, like I said, is, is our idea that this could be endless because by literacy, you could start creating this by literacy from day one. You just have to think about what technology can I start using to continue to foster this by literacy for students. And now, because it's being pretty much forced on us, what kind of tools can I start using so the kids develop this by literacy? Maybe I'm going to use a flip grid and I'm going to have them record every uh, two days so I could hear how they started in August. And then on October, I could hear their language development of their biliteracy. And then I'm going to have some of my students go and listen to them and give some feedback. I mean, I, I get it. It just depends on what your, um, your outcome is. The second one would be your, your academics. We know that uh, with learning, especially with technology, uh, this academics could be differentiated, right? If I'm a student who is doing multiplication, I maybe one digit multiplication, then I'm there. And so I could use the technology as a teacher so that I could support that practice. And then maybe I have a student who's doing three or four digit multiplication. I could differentiate that instructor for that student. So if we really use the technology the way we could do it, it could be really differentiated per student. And then the third one is that cross-cultural, what I talked about, the third core principle, and how do we empathize with other cultures? Like I said, we could do Zooming uh, through with other with other countries, we could do, like I said, it's endless. So many things that you could do with technology for those core principles. So I, I've always thought that if you have a core, you have a foundation, you, that you have a strong foundation and then you could uh, leverage those principles. But if you don't have a strong foundation, then the principles don't work. Does that make sense? It's kind of like basketball. I always give, sense. yeah. It's just like basketball, right? We always, I always use basketball analogies because that was a big part of my life. If you have a good foundation with basketball, you have your good uh, fundamentals, then then you could then move and then you could do, um, you know how to pass, you know how to dribble, you know how to shoot. So you know how to do those good foundations, you know how to dribble with your right, your left hand, then you could do a crossover, you could go between the legs, you could go behind the back. But if you don't have those foundations, don't even start trying to do behind the back because you don't even know how to dribble the ball. So that's the way I see bilingual education. We have core principles and with those core principles, we leverage from them and then we're able to, um, yeah, and we're able to really hit those core principles. That, that sounds amazing. So it really is just 
no matter how you teach, those principles stay there. But now that we're being forced to use uh, technology more, we're starting to see ways in which we can use technology to enhance the learning of those principles. Exactly. And I think one of the reasons it gets overwhelming is because many or some, or it could be some people don't understand their core principles. So you could see if I, as a teacher, don't understand my core principles, I could be overwhelmed because I'm like, I don't know what they are and how do I uh, do this? And then you get bombarded with apps and you could do this and you could do that and you could do this. And so one of the things I always um, tell teachers is less is more. Do less so that you could do more, right? Or go slow to go fast. Go slow. Use two apps, use two platforms, understand them well, and then you could go faster. But what ends up happening, and this happens a lot in education, we get bombarded with ideas, we get bombarded with technology, we get bombarded with professional development, we get bombarded with standards, we get bombarded with curriculum, we get, I mean, we get bombarded. And so I think the hardest part is not that we have, we don't have enough resources. I think our challenge is we have too many resources. that, That makes a lot of sense. You already have so much on your plate and then you have to add technology onto it, which I'm sure can be difficult with how fast it progresses. So do you feel like helping teachers become more technologically literate as fast as possible? Is that something you're trying to incorporate uh, more now into Give Alice? Yes. Uh, so I would say yes. And, but the, I think the, uh, the thing that I would be focused on or I'm focused on is going back, as we mentioned, those core principles. I think the most important thing is to understand those core principles understand what the outcome is um, and then once you understand what your outcome is for that grade level so if you've been teaching that grade level for years then you know a first grader needs to know how to read a first grader needs to know their addition subtraction fact and they need to know about their community i know that as a teacher i'm going to be able to teach that in first grade okay that i understand my core principles of my bilingual program by first grade, they're going to be speaking in complete sentences, and they're going to be writing in complete sentences. They're going to be reading a grade level text. So once I understand that, and once I have that strong foundation, then I add my technology. And then I start thinking about what are the things that I need to do to get to that target, right? But again, what is happening is we're actually going backwards. So we're looking at all the technology that we have and all the things that we have to do, but we don't have a core. And so I think that's one of the things that I'm really supporting teachers really first understand what are your principles are, what is your outcome, where do you, where's your goal, you have that target, once you have the target, then you could backwards, back, we call it backwards planning or backwards mapping. Uh, that's a great point because, you know, like you said, with, with, same thing in basketball, without the fundamentals or the core principles, you're kind of aimless. So I absolutely love that even with all the craziness that's going on, technology, COVID, the principles are still uh, the most important thing. I think that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I remember, so going back to basketball, I remember uh, being on the varsity team and I remember sitting on the bench, like literally sitting on the bench for multiple games. I mean, I wouldn't play for multiple games. And I remember the coach always telling me, just watch. And I would practice and I would practice. And then I remember when I had the opportunity to, you know, start this one my freshman year. So I was a freshman in varsity and 
I remember having the opportunity to actually get on the court. It was like, oh, that's why he had me watch so many games because I had to have that foundation, right? And that's the way I see it. And that's why I, I really think that's really helpful for teachers to understand their foundation, their intention, their goal. And then after that, once you have that solidify, whether you're in distance learning or whether you're in person, then I think that really makes it clear. You have a clear objective. Clear vision, Absolutely. just like Alas, we have a clear vision of our model. We have a clear visual of our organization. Our our organization is really to support that bilingualism, that biliteracy, the that cross cultural. Right? We would want many kids not just to be bilingual, but to be trilingual. We want them to be global citizens so that they're able to network and and go out to the workforce and be able to communicate with as many people as they can and give them opportunities so that they could communicate with their families or they could communicate with their boss and have this um, multilingual opportunity. Absolutely, that sounds amazing. Um, one thing I'm actually curious about um, yeah. is, so eventually, knock on wood, eventually we will go back to physical learning, um, hopefully whenever the vaccine comes out or if the COVID-19 pandemic kind of dies down. Obviously, it may not be the same, but eventually that is the idea that we're going to go back to a more traditional classroom. Do you feel like there's going to be any long lasting effects of this sudden um, shift to virtual learning with a lot of technology? Do you feel like this current shift right now will have long lasting effects to even when we go back to schooling? And like, are we going to use this technology now more permanently? Are teachers now going to, even the ones that were kind of afraid to do it before, are they going to see the benefits of it and permanently incorporate it into their curriculums? Uh, how have you, how do you feel like that's going to affect uh, your Give Alice principles or, or plan when even when we do go back to the classroom? Yeah, that's a great question. So that's a twofold question. So first of all, I'll talk about what I think I see in the classroom and then I'll talk about Alice. Um, I actually think um, I'm a very optimistic person. You probably know that already, right? I see the glass, uh, full most of the time, not even half full. I always see it full. And I really do see that this is gonna, I think this is gonna be really helpful for teachers. I think there, you can live an experience and unlive it, right? You can't go back. You could talk about it and you were told about it, but once you lived an experience, you can't go back. So I think I, I see that and that's why I always encourage my friends and anybody who I work with, just do it. Because once you do it, you see that you are able to and you, you break your mindset, right? You have this positive mindset that, hey, I've done it. I was able to do it. And I think that's what's going to happen with teachers. I think they live this experience, so they're not going to they're not gonna go back. It's going to be impossible for them to go back. So they're going to be able to use Zoom as a resource, as a tool. They're going to be able to use Flipgrid or uh, Seesaw or any of the new things that they're using with their kids, and they're just going to leverage on that. So I really do see that as a positive. I think this is, you know, um, even though there's been a lot of tragedy and a lot of, I guess, the positive or the silver lining of this would be that in our classrooms that we'll be able to see this technology being used. I also see this technology being used, with, like I said, with other teachers to collaborate. One of the hardest part about being a teacher is 
really staying after school and being in parts of meetings and like you want to collaborate with your colleagues but it's like you sometimes have to take away from your own family to stay after school and after meetings and planning so i think this has given teachers a great um alternative to collaborate you know hey maybe i'll call you tonight and via zoom at six o'clock after i have dinner so i think it has i think it's going to have some positive effects on our educators uh, for, for collaboration it's going to have positive effects on the students because they're going to demand to be taught this way they're going to tell their teachers hey you remember how we used to do flipgrid can we use that uh, the kids are resilient i mean a lot of our students that's who you learn from all the time because they demand it they don't let you they don't let you go back to their your normal <laughs> they want it to be the way it used to be um, and then for us, for Alas, I think it's a positive thing as well. I, I, I'm a very relation kind of person. So for me, that has to be part of Alas. Like we have to show teachers how to, how to do uh, the strategy with our students. But I think it's a good uh, alternative to have these lessons and these resources to support them. As I mentioned, more than anything for their teacher, for to be accommodating of teacher's time, because I know it's so valuable but I think it's a positive. It's a positive for all of us. That makes, that, that's, that's absolutely great to hear. Um, I think that's so cool that there's a lot of um, ways, like what you said, uh, with teachers being able to meet up at their own convenience. Uh, maybe they can see their family more, they don't have to stay after school. That's a really cool way that technology can be used for positive. Um, I just wanna, before we end, I wanna talk a little more specifics for Give Alice. So I know we mentioned, we, we do this podcast, um, Obviously, I know you've talked about wanting to do more online courses. So if you could just go into a bit more specifics of what um, Give Alice is kind of working on right now to help with that virtual learning and online learning specifically. Yep. So three things we're working on now is the first thing is we want to offer some free webinars for our teachers uh, so that we could really think about how this work is being utilized with a distance learning. So remember I talked a little bit about the SAMR model and how we use technology, not just to substitute, but to redefine our teaching. That's what we wanna do. And so that's uh, some of the webinars that we wanna start having maybe in September. Uh, when people are back in in the classroom when people are you know it's not the first week or the first month of school we want to kind of let teachers do um you know their thing and then the next thing that we are really really working on is some of the things that we get asked very frequently is how to teach spanish so how to teach the spanish language um, and sometimes for the teachers it's very hard to teach what we call the non-transferable skills so things that are very specific to the spanish language um, acentos um, you know yatos lots of things like that and so that's one of the things that we want to create we want to create an online library of these um standards K through six. So as a kinder teacher, what I would get into a module and I would actually learn how to teach acentos at my grade level, how to teach the writings, the Spanish uh, writing conventions in kindergarten, or then how to teach the phonemic awareness or the phonics in kindergarten. So there would be modules and it would be self-paced where they could actually watch in their own leisure uh, on their own time. So that's what we're really working on. And then uh, lastly, then we, what we wanna do is we wanna create uh, 
videos of ourselves teaching the strategies so that they way the teachers either have that as a resource to share with their students or they could use it so that they could use it as a resource so that they could watch the strategy and then teach it themselves so it could be you know used in two ways so that's what we're working on but i think the the most uh pending right now are is our free webinars that we want to start advertising on our website and then the the online courses Awesome. You know what? I'm really excited to uh, see all those come to fruition. I'm sure they're going to be uh, really, really helpful for teachers in the future. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap up today? Yeah. How, how's it going for you? How are, how, are, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about this? I know you come with a different perspective. So how do you see this all unfolding? You know, it's very interesting because for me, I am a college graduate, so I'm not technically part of the education anymore, uh, for now at least. And part of me is kind of curious how I would be affected by the sudden shift to online learning. Uh, I know actually in college, there were some classes that I took that already offered online videos of the lectures that they had, and I found those very useful. And I honestly wish back then that a lot of my a lot more of my classes could use that type of um, way of learning because for me when I could pause the video because I'm kind of a slow learner sometimes I like to rewind um, sometimes in lectures it's a little bit too quick so the, the, the ability to rewind and really hone in on a certain topic uh, really helped me a lot so I'm curious how this current generation of students are going to be affected by this. Um, I know that it's going to be, it would be difficult for me not to see my peers, even my teachers in person, because there's just, that's a gigantic part of it. And I really do feel for them. But you know, I am curious to see how this all turns out. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, especially to get that perspective of higher education, you know, because um, I think higher education it's, it's a little bit different because you're self-motivated or at least you should be self-motivated. Mm -hmm. um, but, but like you said, that relationship part with uh, meeting your teachers and then, you know, if you're able to collaborate with your peers and negotiating. So I think that's, uh, just to finish off, I think that's one of the things that we are very mindful of uh, as we continue to build these webinars is having that interaction within this time. So when we do these synchronous time, which is kind of what we're doing right now, is having the opportunity for our teachers, our participants to have that collaboration time. So it's not you're just listening to somebody on the screen, but really having that opportunity to negotiate ideas and negotiate for meaning. And I think that's one of the things, and because I'm such a relator and I, I, like, I like to talk to people you know, that I think I always put that into um, this. So I think that's one of the things if I would continue to work with teachers is just to remind them that our kids need that. They need that interaction, that social interaction. And as much as possible, if they could provide that, I think it's going to be very, very helpful. Awesome. Well, that sounds great. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention was I love your personal background that you've made. Uh, I think it was really cool. Uh, I love the up reference in the, the, <laughs> the top uh 
Is that is that your bitmoji? Is that you as a That's bitmoji? my bitmoji. Yeah, that's my virtual classroom. So some of the things that you see are my family, things that are important to me, the place where I work, my diploma from Fullerton. So yeah, I I you know, one of the things I encourage teachers is to create their own bitmoji classroom. I think that's good for the kids even though that even though they can't see them physically, they they have a virtual space where they could collaborate. That, that's something I'll make sure to work on for the next time we have this uh, virtual Zoom session. But, okay, uh, I'll also customize it more. Awesome, perfect. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know what, unless, is there anything else you want to add? Nope. I think that's all. I think we, um, I think we hit it all. Awesome. You know, this is a really great talk. And uh, thank you guys for watching or listening. If you're just listening to this on uh, Spotify or whatever. Um, but this has been a really great talk with you, Diana. I look forward to speaking with you more about this as the situation goes on and as we create more of the content. But for those that are currently listening, thank you guys for listening and we'll speak with you soon.